Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Philip Catafamo with Believe in Angels on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Well, we took a break for the Memorial Day weekend. We're happy to be back. It was an extended weekend and a very short week. We are happy to be back. I'm your host, Philip Katafamo. I am joined, as always, by my right-hand man, uh, like 5,000 miles away or however the hell far California is, Jim Eisenacher. Welcome, Jim. Hey, Phil. You know, I, I'm feeling a sense of uh, deja vu here, but that's just because I miss doing this so much that I actually did my own show last week without you while I was taking a shower. Fantastic, Jim. I hope I had some great points. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. Um, we're going to talk about Scott Boris's involvement with the MLB Players Association, their, the whole uh, dispute and the, the whole process of them trying to get the MLB season going. We'll talk about a couple Rookie of the Years that didn't turn out to be MLB stars. We've got a lot of Angels stuff to talk about, which is great. And we'll also talk a little bit about the NBA. So, Jim, starting off, I saw an article on ESPN, and it said this. Agent Scott Boris tells MLB clients not to bail out baseball owners. I'm going to let you go first because I had a whole rant last time about Blake Snell, and I want to let you speak first. Jim, go right ahead. What do you think about this? Yeah, I'll go. I'm also interested to hear your viewpoint on this because, uh, you <laughs> I, know, you're... I bet you are. You get very fiery. I do. I'm, I'm a wily 5'11", 24-year-old man. Stop saying you're 5'11". It makes you feel shorter. Anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Scott Boris 100% in the sense that the players don't need to rush back strictly to save the MLB owners. or, or It should not be up to the players, and nor should the entire weight of this decision be on the players' shoulders right. to come back solely to have a season. That's not fair to the players, and that's really not fair to the fans because you're going to have a bunch of disingenuous players out there that are only there to out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we want, especially, you know, uh, when we're telling people to play for the love of the game, like especially to your whole argument last week on or two weeks ago on Blake Snell. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Max Scherzer came out and released a statement. This was, I believe, last night. I could be wrong, but. I have it here, and he said, uh, quote, After discussing the latest developments with the rest of the players, there is no reason to engage with MLB in any further compensation reduction. We have previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries, and there's no justification to accept a second pay cut based upon the current information the union has received. Mm -hmm. I am glad to hear other players voicing the same viewpoint and believe MLB's economic strategy would completely change if all documentation were to become public information. Now I'm left wondering, I want to see the full documentation on this because it's a constant battle between owners and players on who's going to get the favor of the court of public opinion. And right now the, the notion that's put out there is, Oh, the players don't want to play because of money reasons. Mm -hmm. Oh, the players, you know, uh, they're still going to be getting $3 million. That's more than you than, than you guys make. And I'm sitting here like, well, you know, I'd be pretty upset if I went to work and instead of getting, you know, my 
$15 an hour mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to get that said, oh, yeah, come into work, but because we're struggling, we're only going to give you $6 an hour. That's okay, right? Right. So when you kind of put, put it into that perspective for yourself and take away the big astronomical millions of dollars numbers, um, you kind of want to make fair value in what you're doing. So right. I, I, I like on this, like in most cases, side with the players, but I will say uh, Scott Boris needs to, you know, just be quiet because it's not a good look for him. This was an email that was obtained by the Associated Press, and Boris wrote this to his clients, and it says, Remember, games cannot be played without you. Players should not agree to further pay cuts to bail out the owners. Let owners take some of the record revenues and profits from the past several years and pay you the prorated salaries you agreed to accept, or let them borrow against the asset values they created from the use of those profits players uh, generated. So here's, obviously, I want to clarify my point last week for with Blake Snell. Um, I don't care if Blake Snell plays or not. Uh, it is his decision. It is his only decision. If he doesn't want to play because they're paying him the money that he, they are not paying him the money that he feels he deserves, that's fine. I don't care. I see it from one perspective of somebody who is not going through this, somebody from an outside perspective looking in. If my comments sounded jaded or they sounded a bit shallow, I apologize. I just really want baseball back, and that is the selfishness of me saying that. But in reality, if Blake Snell does not want to play, I don't care if Blake Snell plays. It's his decision. It's perfectly fine. Same thing goes for everybody else who is on the fence about playing. Take in your health to consideration. Take in your family's revenue, or or, excuse me, the revenue you make for your family. Take all that into consideration. Whatever you have to take into consideration to make a a well-informed opinion on what you want to do, I'm perfectly for. I do not care. Uh, Jim, you make a great point saying that if I go into a job and I'm supposed to be paid this salary and somehow it changes, that is uh, very frustrating. I made that example last week where sports got canceled. I lost out on $150 uh, every sports game, and that sucked. Of course, for me, the money was just extra. I love doing play-by-play. Any opportunity I get to do play-by-play, I don't care. I also should have noted that that's not the same sentiment that a lot of people carry. I'm perfectly fine with doing play-by-play for free. Like I mentioned last week, Jim and I did it for three years for free for a radio station because we both just love doing it. Same thing with with just talking sports. Blake Snell has other reasons to take into consideration the money that he wants and the money that he's going to get, and that is his decision alone. I was just commenting on it because I felt like I had an opinion on it, and I just want to leave it at that. Um, Granted, more towards this, um, I think... Scott Boris should stay out of it. I think it should be the players' decisions regarding if they want to change the salaries or or not. Um, I understand that that Scott Boris is on the side of the players, saying that you know you guys should just keep playing hardball, get the money you deserve. But at the same time, Scott Boris sees a percentage of that money, and I'm just more curious about his intentions. Is it an intention to be on the side of the players because you feel that that decision is right to make them and give them the money? Or, or to allow those players to make the money they deserve? Or are you saying this because you get a cut of that money and your cut is significantly less if Mike Trout and Garrett Cole aren't making $36 million or whatever it may be? That's where I'm kind of just more curious and where I feel like Scott Boris and any other agent should stay out of this decision and just let the Players Association deal with player association stuff and stop emailing your clients because I don't know what your intentions are. Nobody knows what your intentions are except your Scott, but as an agent that does rub people the wrong way a lot, uh, maybe you should just mind your own business and just let your clients handle it. 
Trevor Bauer tweeted this out. It says, hearing a lot of rumors about a certain player agent meddling in player association affairs. If true, and at this point, these are only rumors. I have one thing to say. Scott Boris, represent your clients however you want to, but keep your damn personal agenda out of union business. And that, to me, I agree 100% with Trevor Bauer. Stay out of it. I have an opinion on it, but my opinion does not affect anything. I can say that I really want Trevor Bauer to be traded to the Angels. It's not going to happen. Who cares? I'd love to see MLB baseball go on today, but that's not going to happen because my opinion doesn't matter. The opinions of the guys that where it does matter, they need to have their own opinions, their own collective opinions within the players' associations that are not affected by any sort of outside source. And that is where this, this situation with Scott Boris, to me, is more about him making sure that he gets his money as opposed to being like, look, regardless of my, my take, I still feel like these guys deserve the money they deserve because they're phenomenal players and they're great people. Not because Scott Boris is losing out on X million dollars, but that's what I'm saying on it. Jim, do you have any more? Uh, yeah. Um, first, let me say that your opinion matters to me, Phil. Thank you, Jim. It really does. I appreciate that. I'm pretty um, sure it, it also applies to the people who listen to the show, which I appreciate you you all listening. Yes. And uh, <laughs> second, yeah, I, I, I like I said, Scott Boris... He has made a very, very good career for himself. Yes, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock how he does it, but I will say it is a very, very bad look on him, uh, trying to say things about what is a union, yeah, uh, matter. Very much so, and he is. We, I know that he's somebody who deals with both sides, so in a way, he does have an opinion. But when it comes to deciding money that these guys are trying to get for themselves. They should be at the forefront of that decision, not the agents. But look, I want to move away from this. I really hope that we can get an MLB season going. And, and of course, Jim, if you do have anything else you want to say, feel free to, to say it. But if it's okay with you, I'd like to just move on to our next topic. Uh, just, just the fact that I, I've said since this all started that I really, really doubt we will have a season in 2020, and that yeah. is sad. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. But uh, – We'll, we'll we'll take a look now at the past, okay? So, obviously, we have experienced a lot of phenomenal rookies of the year throughout the entire span of the MLB from its creation back in the 18-whatevers to about now in 2020. I guess we can only go off of 2019, so until 2019 because there's no 2020 season. Um there is a great article out on MLB.com uh, about 10 Rookie of the Year winners who didn't turn into superstars. Now, I'm not going to read all 10 because after about 1996, I start kind of not knowing who these guys are. And there are a few guys that I am aware of. And uh, I-, I thought, Jim, we could talk a few uh, talk about a few of these players and see if we remember them playing. Does that work? Yeah, let's talk about Jeremy Hellickson. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to get ahead of you. That's still <laughs> Very upset about 2011. Did Jeremy Hellickson win the win the Rookie of the Year? Jeremy Hellickson won Rookie of the Year in 2011 over what should have been the Angels' own Mark Trumbo, and I am still very salty over that. Uh, clearly, I need to start really doing some research. But going off of this article, uh, we'll start in 1996 with Todd Hollinsworth. It says, Hollinsworth became the fifth straight Dodger to win the NL Rookie of the Year award. Uh, he was selected for the honor in 1996, obviously. Eric Karros won it in 92. Mike Piazza, 93. Raul Mondesi Sr., 94. And Hideo Nomo in 95. But Hollinsworth never really panned out. Um, 
he, after that, I, I don't have his statistics here. I'm just more looking at the article. But in 96, when he won the award, he batted 291. He had 12 homers and 21 steals. So not a bad outing from the uh, from, from a younger player. Of course, doesn't compare to Cody Bellinger's Rookie of the Year season when he hit was like 50-plus home runs, was possibly in the uh, – or no, he hit uh, – uh, Judge hit 50-something. Uh, uh, Bellinger, I think, hit over 30, 35. He has the Dodgers record for most home runs by a rookie. He beat Mike Piazza. But anyway, um, Jim, do you remember Todd Hollinsworth at all? Uh, I wasn't paying too much attention. This was after the strike, and I thought baseball was gone forever. <laughs> I was still young, uh, uh, so not too much of a memory of him at that time playing, but definitely on looking back. Uh, he had all the makings, but I think he really he just got trapped into a team that was already like star-studded with, with a bunch of young players. So right. sometimes when that happens, you know, you, you fall behind your peers. Yeah, I do remember Todd Hollinsworth. He had a really weird stance. He had a very low stance, and, and uh, I think his bat was like really high, or, like past his ear or something like that. He had a very awkward stance, but uh, yeah, never really panned out with the Dodgers. Did play a few seasons with a couple other teams. I have a couple of his baseball cards, but I didn't realize that he had won the, the Rookie of the Year until obviously much later when I actually uh, looked it up. Anyway, uh, Eric Hinsky. Now, just because I have this up, if you're talking about Todd Hollinsworth, here's some players that he won Rookie of the Year over. Okay. Jermaine Dye had a stellar wow. career in Major League Baseball. Yes, he did. Won a World you Series in 05. Jason Kendall. Yes. Wow. Edgar Renteria. Oh, two World Series. Edgar Renteria finished second that year. Um, he uh, was he got 10 first-place votes. Yeah. Whereas Todd Hollinsworth got 15 first place votes, so won a World Series um, with the Marlins you know, the year after. He finished ahead of some. Go ahead. I was going to say uh, Edgar Renteria won won the World Series with the Marlins. I think in in '97. He hit a he hit he a walk off. He did. He was he was a stud for for a while. Yes, he, he was had some very good season. Yeah, and then I, I think he won it again with the Cardinals in like 07 or something like that whenever they won the World Series again. But sorry, continue. But those are some interesting names though to beat out Jeremy Die. And to beat out, actually, Jim, if you want to, if you could pull up some of these, um, that'd be great. Because then we can get an idea of who yeah, they beat absolutely. out. Um, next in 2002, we have Eric Hinsky, who played for the Blue Jays. Uh, it says here, it's a clean sweep in 2002 on the list. Hinsky taking home AL honors. He had an eight, uh, excuse me, a .845 OPS. Uh, he had 24 home runs. Those would be his career highs. He did play 15 seasons and was able to hit over 100 home runs in, in, in a season, which... I think uh, is is pretty impressive, nonetheless. Um, you know, a lot of guys don't really end up having that long of a career, but I do remember Eric Hinsky kind of bouncing from team to team. Uh, was usual pick late round pickup for me in some of the MLB The Show games, and I think MVP baseball. But yeah, never really caught, never really got onto the same playing field of hitting twenty four home runs like he did his rookie year. So, do you remember Eric Hinsky at all, Jim? And who else did he beat out? Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, there's not. Uh... There's a really prevalent name on this list uh, for Angel fans, and that is John Lackey, who, of right. course, in 2002 started uh, Game 7 and won Game 7 of the World Series to clinch the first and, so far, only World Series for the Angels. So uh, he finished tied for fourth that year in the AL Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, Mark Ellis for Oakland. Yeah, yeah Mark he Ellis. had a pretty, pretty decent career. Yes, he did. Uh, Carlos Pena. Yeah, not so uh, much a great career. Tied for A. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Moore had, had, had a decent career, but he never really panned out. 
But uh, Rodrigo Lopez finished second that year, and uh, he—I don't want to say he didn't pan out, but he did not reach that hype again, in my opinion. So on the flip side, we actually have our next one is Jason Jennings of the Rockies in 2002 for the NL Rookie of the Year. Uh, he posted a 4.52 ERA over 32 starts that came after a tremendous Major League debut in 2001 when he tossed a five-hit shutout and homered against the Mets. He did pitch pretty well in 06, but other than that, he pretty much hasn't done too much. Uh, he posted a 6.01 ERA in 69 appearances with the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers in 24 starts. Uh, I think in 2007 and so on. I do remember Jason Jennings a lot. Um, he he was sort of a journeyman pitcher for the longest time and and did bounce around a little bit. Um, I don't remember him too much on the Rockies. I was a little I was a young kid around this time. Uh, but uh, Jim, do you remember Jason Jennings and who did he beat out? Uh, yeah, I remember Jason Jennings. He he had a pretty decent career with Colorado that year. I mean, he ran away with his vote, uh, getting 94 percent of it. Wow. Uh, he had 27 first place votes. There, there were only uh, two votes went to uh, Brad Wilkerson yeah. out of uh, Montreal, and yeah. another two votes went to Austin uh, Carnes for uh, Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, one vote for uh, uh, you'll have to help me with this because I'm uh, 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 Ishii for the Dodgers. Oh uh, uh, yeah, uh, cool. Kash- Kasuhashi. Yeah, yes, a pitcher for the for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yes, I'm, I, yeah, I remember. He, he got another vote after that. There wasn't a whole lot, but a name on here, a couple of names on here that that stand out is uh, one of for some reason I don't know why one of my players that I loved growing up was Josh Fogg. I loved it when he helped in '07 lead the Rockies to the World Series with that incredible run they had, and uh, some guy in Chicago named Mark Fryer. Oh, there we go. I was curious if we yeah. were going to see another a big name in 02, uh, and there it was, Mark Pryor. Yeah, a guy who we talked. I think we talked about him last week. Um, with, with you know injuries derailing his career, he's now the pitching coach. Uh, yeah, he's the pitching coach now for the Dodgers. Um, and and yeah, another guy who had a stellar career but was unfortunately shortened with uh, um, with injuries. So I'm going to breeze through a couple of these so that we can spend a little bit more time on the Angels. Uh, Angel Barroa, who, funny enough, is connected with me on LinkedIn. He won the Rookie of the Year in 2003. Uh, Bobby Crosby won it in 2004. I always mixed him up with Bubba Crosby. I think they're two different people. I don't know if they're related. And then, of course, another one that we mentioned not too long ago when, our, when we talked about one-hit wonders was Chris, Chris Coughlin, who in 2009 had a phenomenal year with the Marlins and then did absolutely nothing else from there. Uh, he, he was uh, another one that, that seems to be popping up in the uh, what-if sort of category as if his career had panned out. But speaking of careers that didn't pan out in America but are panning out in Korea, uh, some angels have made their way to Korea, and they're playing quite well. Um, a couple names here. We've got uh, uh, Otismir Despange. Um, I know I'm saying that wrong, but I, I do remember him pitching for the Padres. I don't remember him being on the Angels, but uh, I do remember him pitching on the Padres, and uh, he is currently, if we can get his statistics here, uh, in four starts spanning 24 innings, he surrendered just six earned runs and two walks while striking out batters at a 7.9K. Uh, he has a, he's averaging about eight strikeouts, which is awesome. Uh, another guy who might be looking for a second chance in the MLB, uh, we always need a good pitcher. The Angels have been struggling with pitching. We could use maybe a good long reliever or, or possibly a middle reliever. So the, he, we may see a return uh, with this player whose name I don't want to say again because I know I got it wrong. 
Uh, yeah, you know, I, that, that's the one best thing going with uh, Korean baseball and all the baseball overseas is um, what scouts, not to foreshadow, but what scouts haven't that hasn't been furloughed, uh, really getting a good, uh, you know, free, deep look at these players playing in a, right. what has become big-time situations as, you know, a lot of eyes around the world around them because it's really the only source of baseball we have. And we've seen a lot of players make that transition. One of the names that I always bring up is Mike Mikolas of the St. Louis Cardinals. He was sort of a journeyman at the beginning of his career, didn't really pan out, got a chance to go overseas and came back to the MLB, and he's having a phenomenal career, sort of a second life to his career now. And uh, we'll, we'll see, maybe Max, a guy like Matt Harvey, who we talked about uh, two weeks ago, not last week, two weeks ago, uh, possibly making a comeback. This could be his opportunity to... Maybe learn a few things. I know Dan Heron was another guy who incorporated the sort of uh, the, the, that Japanese style of pitching, where you have the sort of high, the high raise of the hands, and and sort of the more um, it's a more stable, more sort of square approach to pitching. So it's it, you know you, you lift both hands over Jesus, you lift both hands over the head. You see it a lot with like a uh, like a Daisuke Matsuzaka or a Hideo Nomo or a uh, Tanaka that that stance and and. I remember Dan Heron sort of incorporating that as well. Um, another pitcher that for, who pitched for the Angels is Drew Gagnon. Uh, Gagnon is another former Angel. Uh, he, he's currently playing in South Korea. Uh, he was picked up in the deal that brought Martin Maldonado to the Angels and sent Jet, Jet Bandy to the Brewers. Uh, he only played one season with the crew, or excuse me, with the Angels. Uh, 31 games, a, you know, 10 starts. He threw about eight, 82 innings, had a 6.25 ERA, but... Since then, he is 2-for-2 two two with a 2.70 ERA and has 31 strikeouts so far, and he's ranked third in the league. So another guy who, you know, like I mentioned, the Angels are looking for pitchers. This could be the opportunity. Yeah, man, you know, I'm, I'm all for uh, getting these opportunities. Uh, it, it's it's going to be fun to see the fallout after the season because we might see a larger influx of uh, players from the Korean Baseball League with more eyes on them. Plus yeah. the fact that you know, th- this is really their time to shine for a lot of them who are in their prime or, you know, around that area because with the World Baseball Classic pushed off for uh, another couple of years, I believe uh, 2023 is when they said they're right. going to do it again. Um, that is definitely going to uh, uh, affect a lot of things. So, you know, you got to get your looks where you can. Yeah, Um I agree. I know Aaron Alther is another guy who's currently playing overseas who's looking for another shot. Uh, Eric Thames did it not too long ago. He was playing with – he had a uh, a decent career at the beginning, and then I don't know if he was just – they couldn't find a spot for him or, or if he was just struggling. I don't have his statistics in front of me, but I do remember him going overseas and then coming back with the Brewers and just hitting the crap out of the ball. I mean, the guy has got such natural power. Uh, speaking of hitters, Jose Miguel Fernandez, who was cut by both Los Angeles teams – uh, he is playing quite well overseas. Um, I'm getting his statistics here. Uh, Fernandez finished second in the league batting in in league batting average with three with a 344 average. Uh, let's just see what happens when we take a week off. I fall apart. Uh, he's first in hits last year with 197, second in total bases, tenth in RBIs, and ninth in OPS. Um, and it says he's exceeded even those numbers in small sample size of 2020 in 18 games. Fernandez leads the league with a 4.70 average, is second in RBIs, first in total bases, and second in OPS. There's another guy who who, who 
maybe at the time being, everybody was like, this guy's going to be the next great, uh, I, it, I believe here he is Dominican, uh, he's going to be the next great overseas player to come over here. He is, uh, he got an opportunity with the Angels, got an opportunity with the Dodgers. He is Cuban, excuse me. He's going to be another great Cuban player, maybe like a Yasiel Puig. Uh, I do vaguely remember the Dodgers signing this guy and then the Angels picking him up, but Unfortunately, he was just never really anything, and and now he's got an opportunity to be something if he comes back from Korea playing well. You know, sometimes for a lot of these players, you know, when they reach the majors, it's really the first time in their career that they've really struggled at the sport. So mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't know how to deal with that, and they fall apart. And I, I remember, in fact, with the Angels, uh, Howie Kendrick was struggling really bad one year. I believe it was 2008. Uh, Jeff was not hitting hitting the ball, and uh, the Angels actually promoted him back to AAA. And a lot of people were wondering at the time why they would do that. Well, a, a lot of the reasoning is this. When you get demoted, and this happens a lot for quarterbacks in the NFL, when you get demoted to uh, second, you know that automatically takes a lot of the pressure off you because when you come back and you start, your head's already going well. I've already been demoted. I can't really get worse than that. So a lot of that really helps stretch it off. And a lot of these players that go overseas that resurrect their career is really just kind of finding their swagger again. So uh, good. I I hope a lot of these players uh, wind it back with uh, Major League Baseball rosters. Uh, The Angels opened facilities for limited workouts to preferably hold the second spring training in Anaheim. This is an article from somebody who is not familiar, who is, excuse me, somebody who is very familiar with being on the show, Jeff Fletcher. Uh, You can find that interview uh, in our archives. I got an opportunity, excuse me, I got an opportunity to speak with him. This article was published on the 25th and updated on the 27th. Uh, It says this, the Angels have opened Angel Stadium and their minor league facility in Tempe, Arizona for limited workouts for players on the 40-man roster, General Manager Billy Epler said on Monday, so this was uh, the 25th. Epler also said the team would prefer to hold its formal workouts in Anaheim instead of Arizona. Of course they would. If and when teams are cleared to begin officially preparing for the shortened season. Uh, I think this is great. Um, you know, this is just kind of the first steps into preparing for a possible season. Of course, it doesn't mean that we're going to have a season, but this is great. Uh, the Dodgers did the same thing. They've opened up their facilities. A few other teams, the Marlins, the Houston Asterix, the New York Yankees, a few of the other teams have also opened up their facilities. So we're starting to see teams slowly try to get back to some sort of normalcy, but I think this is great. This gives some of the younger players an opportunity to to warm up, to get ready. Same thing with the older players. Um I wouldn't doubt if not everybody's going to show up, but um, just the possi- just the idea of, of getting back to maybe a shortened spring training before we get started or even just a full uh, a shortened MLB season, this is the first step or one of the first steps. Yeah, and uh, I really like you know doing the, the, the second spring training at home in Anaheim. Uh, there, there's really no need to, uh, especially with everything that's going on, go across state lines if you don't have to. Right, exactly. 
Um, there was a, a, something that we kind of expected to happen but has now been official. This is from uh, CBSSports.com from R.J. Anderson. Uh, it says, Angels to make significant cuts to scouting department furloughing multiple employees prior to the MLB draft. Uh, the article goes like this. Although those within the industry remain optimistic that Major League Baseball will play modified 2020 season despite the COVID-19 pandemic, I paraphrased there, uh, that hasn't and won't stop teams from implementing additional cost-cutting measures. On Saturday, league sources with knowledge on the situation confirmed to CBS Sports that the Angels will be trimming their scouting department headed into June. Um, uh, the Angels do have the 10th pick in the draft this year. Um, I'm trying to see, uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through here to see uh, where the statement of the team is that on or, or what that decision ended up going into, but uh, uh, I, I'm not surprised that the Angels, uh, the Angels cut are Excuse me. The Angels' cuts are said to include international scouts, some of whom uh, make half of what their domestic peers earn in a given year. Uh, so, I kind of understand maybe cutting down the the scouts this year. Uh, it says the Angels, who possess the tenth pick in the draft, will be furloughing their area scouts after they issue payment on May thirtieth. Scouting director Matt Swanson will then have to run the team's draft on June 10th and 11th without being able to imp- to seek input from those scouts. On June 15th, the Angels will pay their cross-checkers before furloughing them as well. Afterward, the Angels will be o- operating with just their department heads remaining, leaving them with essentially one person per staff. See, this is interesting to me. Um, but, uh, but Jim, what, what do you think? Yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's a very... Bad day, right? Uh, in Major League Baseball. Plus, you know, uh, uh, Jeff uh, Passan came out earlier, and uh, let me see if I can find his tweets and I'll read it to you. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, this is from uh, Jeff Passan on on Twitter. That's uh, at Jeff Passan. Mm-hmm. Across baseball, hundreds of minor league players were cut today and lost their jobs. Uh, sources tell ESPN. Hundreds more will be released over the next week. Right. Now, already right there, that is just that is that is insane. Yeah, that we're losing so many players. He goes on to say, um, in the end, upward of a thousand players could see their baseball careers end. The minor leagues have simply been devastated. Yeah. You know, we're we're we were talking earlier about major league players. Uh, decides to miss to play and, 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 and not to play and how it comes off selfish sometimes, but it's worse for the minor league players because a lot of them are part of the union. Right. You know, they're not, they're not there yet. And, you know, cuts happen like this a lot, but not in, and not in the gi- gigantic scale of, of what's going on. I mean, you got the fallout from the coronavirus. Um, the minor league baseball system was already reducing teams. Right. Uh, a lot of these players, just to put it on on our level, are only being paid about four hundred dollars a week. Right. So they're not the the ultra you know rich players. They haven't made it yet. No. And they just have this dream of wanting to be you know the best baseball player in the world and. Mm-hmm. You know, to have that taken out of their hands, not because of skill on the field, not because of injury, right. but because the world stopped, that is so heartbreaking. I, I, I've I mentioned this on the show before. I went to high school with Taylor Ward, and I've known Tyson Miller, who pitches for the Cubs, uh, since uh, we were both 11. We played on the same travel ball team. 
And uh, it was really cool. Taylor, I, I was just kind of we, – we had a, a small friendship uh, at high school – in high school. It was just more like we knew of each other. We didn't really hang out and stuff. But Tyson, like I mentioned, I've known for a very, very long time. And it was really cool to see him get drafted by Chicago because I knew how good of a baseball player he was. And I might have to ha- ask him if he can come on the show to talk about sort of the life of an MLB player right now because uh, he would provide some really, really great insight. So I want to save um, – I'll save that for for later. But my point being, it is it is very sad to possibly see my friend lose his uh, major league dream because of a uh, of a virus that he had no control over. It's really sad, and I think we we may see a big reshuffle of top MLB pro uh, um, minor league programs and minor league systems because so many guys are getting released. You, other teams will see the value in those those players and sign them. I hope that's what happens next season. I hope we get a, a big influx of just, you know, this guy played for the Angels, but he was cut. And now he's going to play for the Mets. Or this guy played for the Rangers. He got cut. Now he's here with the Angels. You know, I, I hope we see a big reshuffle of the of the systems and 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 these guys get a second chance at playing I would suggest to those players maybe look at playing overseas. There are a lot of leagues that that are still paying players that are still possibly going on or will be going on sooner than the MLB season. Uh, it's it is so tough. I mean, Jim and I are in a good position right now where our our jobs are essential. Jim, if you don't mind saying, you work security in California. I am a news editor for a radio station. We are considered essential. We are going to be getting paid uh, unless our businesses fall apart. Um, and it's unfortunate to see these guys who, and like, my, like myself, I'm following my dream. I'm, I'm going to be a sports broadcaster. I would hate for that to be taken away from me uh, in a circumstance that is out of my control. And my heart really does go out to those minor league players uh, who are experiencing a really crappy year, who are seeing their dreams dissipate. I, I would say try to stay as close to the game as you can. Go coach. Go volunteer at a high school uh, work if you can. Just do as much as you can to keep that love of the game going so you get an opportunity to play. Like I said, I'll have to bring in Tyson or, or ask if he wants to come on the show uh, to see if if he wanted to talk about that and if he's going through any of those struggles. Um, so we'll table that for now. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd hate to be a minor league baseball player right now. They are really getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, and, and you know, you you already said earlier in the show that you had to lose out on doing play by play, right? Because the season was canceled, so you're already living through it on on that front. You know, granted, right. is extra money, and it's something you do on the side because, again, you love what you do. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it, it is it's scary times out there, guys. So if you have something, you know, cling on to it. And I do want to say this: um, we saw we had a, a story come in from Prescott Valley Police, just to give you an idea of where I live in Arizona. I don't live in Prescott, but anyway, um, uh, Prescott Valley Police sent us a report about teenage suicide during, uh, not necessarily during this pandemic, but just kind of keeping an eye out. And I do want to say this: um, it's a weird time. It's okay to be weird. It's okay to feel weird. It's okay to uh, to to feel like maybe just things aren't going your way. Because uh, they aren't. They aren't going their, your way for, for a lot of people. And I want to say this. If you are having any trouble, please feel seek help. Reach out. Friends, if you know people, listeners, if you know people who, who lost their jobs, who are struggling very hard, reach out to them. Be there for them. Everybody needs uh, a, a shoulder to cry on. Everybody needs a, a, a comforting handshake. I know you can't necessarily give either of those things because of the, the pandemic. But my point being is sometimes a small... Uh, gesture, uh, a text, if you haven't talked to somebody in a long time, but you know they're going through something, or a phone call, 
uh, or just maybe uh, if you're in an area where restrictions are lifted, going out and safely getting a drink or going to get food and being there for that person. We're in a really, really weird time. And if you are experiencing anything like that or you know somebody who's experiencing something like that, reach out. Reach out to – we have there are hotlines. There are services that can help you out. Um, it's a really weird time, and, and I, I just I, – I, my heart goes out to you, and, and I really hope that we can all get through this without any issues and, and without any more – loss of life, uh, whether to the virus or to circumstances because of the virus. So please reach out if, if you are having trouble and, and, and don't do something that you'll regret. That's, that's just what I want to say about that. Um, Jim, Damian Lillard, the NBA. We want to move on to something a little bit different here. Um, obviously, the NBA season is a little bit in hiatus right now, uh, but um, there has been discussion about possibly bringing back the NBA season in a shortened season. I've heard maybe a playoff, a, pl- a couple play-in games for playoff positioning, going straight into a playoffs, playing at Disney World for some reason. But Damian Lillard, uh, I want to find – okay. Damian Lillard had an interview with Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes, and Lillard said uh, his stance on the NBA, if it decides to have teams return and, and play a handful of games or regular season games, this is what he said. Damian Lillard said, if we come back and they're just like, we're adding a few games to finish the regular season and they're just throwing us out there for meaningless games and we don't have a true opportunity to get into the playoffs, I'm going to be with my team because I'm part of the team, but I'm not going to be participating I'm telling you right now, and you can put that in there. And this is that is what Damian Lillard said to Chris Haynes of uh, of Yahoo Sports. Um, Jim, what do you think about Damian Lillard's comment? I have a feeling we're going to differ on this. Uh, Potentially. We tend to, but um, <laughs> I, I personally don't have a problem with it. I mean, y- you want to rush people back for uh, n- no reason. I mean... You can you can take why, why do we play the sport because we love it right but because we want to be the best well you're not gonna be the best if you're not playing in the big time games and if you don't if you're coming back with a stack deck against you to not even have a chance to play for the biggest games then what's what's the point of coming back now I realize they played themselves into this situation. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the season, there's a reason why they are where they are, right? And and that's fair. But who who's to say that they don't turn it around and, re, and and catch absolute fire the second half of the season to where they're that team going into the playoffs mm-hmm. with a hot streak and they're knocking people off? We don't know. We don't know if that if if that would have happened. Is it probable? Who knows? But um, I'm not going to criticize somebody over not wanting to play what are essentially meaningless games. These are alpha male competitors mm-hmm. that want to prove they're the best. And granted, you can't prove you're the best sitting at the sidelines, but you can't prove you're the best if you're not in the best games. Yeah, uh, actually, we don't differ on this because I agree with you 100%. Um, I don't oh, think wow. I don't think Damian Lillard should play if there's only going to be a few games and he's not going to get a shot at the playoffs. I mean... What are four games or five games? And of course, this is me like paraphrasing. I don't know how many games they'd actually play. Maybe more like twenty. But what's the point of Damian Lillard going out there and playing for nothing? I mean, he's risking his life at this point. It's it's a much it's a lot more body on body than say baseball. You know, you're you're guarding guys with just basically just a t shirt or excuse me a, a tank top and shorts and basketball shoes. Uh, 
It's not like baseball where the distancing is a little bit easier still. There still comes some risks. I want to say that, but it's just a little bit easier than basketball. Um, I agree 170% with Damian Lillard that this is just, it's, it's, if they're not going to get a shot at the playoffs, what's the point? Now, later on, it was found out, or excuse me, it was reported that there was going to be a possible play-in for some of the teams on the bubble, or and the Blazers may get a shot at that, and and he was perfectly fine with that. Uh, Dan Orlovsky chimed in. Dan Orlovsky, former quarterback of the Detroit Lions, uh, and a, I think a couple of teams, I think he was on the Colts too. Uh, he says, you're 100% entitled, this is what he said on Twitter, by the way, he says, you're 100% entitled to not care about my opinion, but I would love for you to educate me on how I could start 12 games but be 4-20 in those 12 games. Damian Lillard's response was entitled and spoiled, question mark. MF, uh, we can all pretty much figure out what that meant. Watch your mouth. My background, family, and character couldn't be further from entitled and spoiled. I said what I said. Now I'm curious what uh, Dan Orlovsky, what, what he was responding to. And it was... Oh, here it is. Well, because he was with the Lions, and they didn't win a damn game. Yeah, they, and I think he was on the Colts when they when they lost a bunch of games, too. Uh, he's, yeah, he ran out of the back of the end zone and got a safety. Yeah, uh, it says, somebody actually commented on the article, and it says, uh, this is from Grimby Beck on Twitter, and it says, why does anyone care what Orlovsky has to say? Dude started 12 games over 11 years and, and is 4-20 and 20 for his career. His opinion has no value. Just a scrub, hot hating, excuse me, on an elite player for a hot take points. Uh, yeah, I, Dan Orlovsky called Dan, uh, Damian Lillard a spoiled and entitled brat, and I think that that's a little bit, it is a bad take. It is an extremely bad take from Dan Orlovsky. I mean, that, I, 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 I know I, I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit here, but I still agree 100% with Damian Lillard. I don't agree at all with Dan Orlovsky. I think he should just kept his mouth shut, in, in my opinion, Uh I don't blame Damian Lillard. Like I mentioned, if it's just going to be four games of nothing, then what's the point of of playing in those games if you're not going to get a shot at a championship at the end of the year? Regular season, I'll say this, Jim. I know you don't watch a whole lot of basketball, so I'll say this. Regular season, I think the Blazers are pretty much a guaranteed playoff team uh, from the 6 to 8 seed. They usually hover around there. Um, so I think the Blazers would have made the would have made the playoffs regardless of the shortened season. They did make the playoffs last year, um, but obviously the shortened season brings different different sort of uh, factors and whatnot playing into it. So I don't blame Damian Lillard. They may have been really crappy in the beginning of the year and then went on a huge run, like you said, Jim, for the end of the season. And now now they're they don't get that opportunity, and now they have to play twenty games. And if they lose all the twenty games, or if they only win four of them, or if they only win whatever, um, you know what? Wh- what happens at that point? So, I don't know. I think Dan Orlovsky should have just kept his mouth shut. I, I don't. I, I don't really understand why well, he even had to been, comment. There has been a follow up on this because I'm, I'm I'm reading the exchange now, and Dan okay. Orlovsky did did apologize to, uh, to Damian Lillard, saying, uh, "No, you're right. I was wrong to use that phrase at the end. That's my bad. My comment started with saying, I hope we all realize nothing is meaningless anymore.'" Um, and if it's about protecting loved ones 100%, I shouldn't have said entitled or brat, and that's on me, my bad. Okay, so credit to Dan Orlovsky. As Jim just said, he he did apologize. But still, I mean, I know I, I sometimes fumble around with a lot of stuff, and, and sometimes I do get foot and mouth disease, but I will say, just don't say anything about it, you know? Just just keep quiet. Yeah, and, and plus there's, there's different situations here in the fact that uh, Damian Lillard is... Uh, can we call him a star? 
Yes, Damian Lillard is a phenomenal point guard for the Portland Trailblazers. Yes, he's can, one of my can, favorite non-Lakers. Him, we can call him one of the stars of the NBA right now. Yeah, he's great. Damian Lillard at any point in his pro career, whether it be here or the CFL, was never a star. Right. So when his chances came to start, whether it was for a good team or a bad team, you 100% take those opportunities. Right. Uh, Damian Lillard is a, a star that his team depends on. So if you're looking at meaningless games, What's the point of playing? You exactly. rest up and come back next year. Yeah, and, that, and that's we like I said. There's really no need for us to go back and forth on it because you and I pretty much agree that if Damian Lillard doesn't want to play, I don't blame him. I wouldn't play either. So that's going to do it for us. I think we've gone long enough. It's about 43 minutes of this show, and uh, I think we're going to cut it off here. So if you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at believe.com, b-l-e-a-v.com, and on. Instagram at uh, Believe Podcast. There's Believe Sports. There's a bunch of other subcategories, so go follow all of those. Uh, Jim, what's your social media? Uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet at Sir James Radio. You can find me on Twitter at intern underscore Phil. Feel free to tweet me a question or Jim a question. If we both don't know you or have already had interactions with you on Twitter, I will send you an angel something uh, that I think you'll really like uh, if you tweet us a question. That contest is still going on. It'll still go on probably until somebody actually does it. Uh, if you're interested in advertising, Believe.com. Again, B-L-E-A-V.com. We are implementing so many great shows on this network. Like I mentioned, and I'll keep mentioning it, Heath Bell just started a Padres podcast. We've got um, ones that cover basketball. I'm, I think we have a Trailblazers podcast. I know we have a Golden State Warriors one, I believe, that uh, Rick Barry is a part of. So that's really cool. Uh, again, I'm a big fan of the 49ers podcast. Uh, Eric Davis is a part of that one. Uh, so... Go check them out. There's a bunch of podcasts that cover so many different topics for everybody from video games, surfing, health and lifestyle. Uh, I mean, there's just a bunch. NBA, there's our podcast. Um, so so go check them out. There's There are a lot of great shows on this network. And with that, uh, Jim, I think we're going to call it a day. Uh, so say bye. Uh, bye, everyone. I just want to uh, close out by saying everything's opening back up. So when you go back out to dine yes. or go to a bar, Take care of your hostesses and bartenders. They were affected by this, if not harder than anyone. So uh, take care of everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.